How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? Uh, it's going pretty good. The weather is warm. I walked over to CVS to grab an energy drink this morning, mm-hmm. and it was toasty, but it was a nice dry toasty. Like I was a uh, an almond or mm-hmm. some tomato that was being sun dried. I think that it would it could probably cook. I mean, like, so there's places in the U.S. that are hotter, and I'm not going to get into the, the whole like weather thing. You're like, oh, you consider a hundred, a meager one hundred degrees Fahrenheit is hot? Oh, you poor soul, you know, like whatever. But it's like ninety degrees out today. Um, went through a drive-through. I do this little thing where I like leave the windows down if I know it's just a short trip mm-hmm. to just like experience heat a little bit. Yeah, you get the airflow going. Yeah. Um, and even like, you're like, I, I don't go outside much. So if I'm going to go outside and I know it's going to be like five minute trip or something like that, I'll just like put myself through the climate or whatever, the weather, um, just to experience it a little bit. Remember what real life sensations like. I, I get that. Sometimes, <laughs> that's sometimes why I do errands. I'm like, I should go out, uh, to yeah. get groceries, but sometimes I'll drive a little bit further to be like. I'm going to go out into the world yeah. while, you know, adding 10 minutes to my commute and that's it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say I go out into the world that much though. It's you, you outside is the adventure in itself. Well, you call it Zawarudo. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then drop a steamroller on him. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, uh, it is pretty nice out there. It is very nice. I think it's too hot to like do anything outside right now. Like 90 degrees is pretty hot for me, but I could um, walk a lap around my apartment complex, and mm-hmm. if I came back inside, I would feel the need to change. Yes, yeah. it would just be mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit too sweaty and uncomfortable. I think like maybe swimming. Swimming is like the only thing, but Ooh, yeah. I mean that's the exception, right? It's like up to a point, and the point is pretty high up there. Swimming is kind of the counterbalance to hot heat, you know. Well, yeah, like my- if it's, let's say it's seventy-five. I don't necessarily want to go in a pool mm-hmm. because when I get out of the pool, I will be cold. Um, whereas if it's like 90 plus when I get out of the pool, it will be refreshing because I feel the heat coming back. Yeah. This and is the op- back in the pool. Like it's the opposite to the hot tub in the snow type thing. You're just like, Oh man, it's too hot. Oh, that's uh, nice. All right. Back in the hot tub. Real yeah. talk. Hot tubs. God tier. Mm-hmm. Hot tubs in the winter. God tier S plus like it's mm, right. It's so warm and cathartic. Capital G. <laughs> I also like the smell of chlorine. So and bubbles. Ever since the the incident where, where I huffed chlorine for two years and I built up a, <laughs> right. a copious addiction to it. Yes, that's your own that is white why. chlorination <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That would have been a segue if we were actually using okay. it, but um, that's fine. We're not. No, hot tubs are great. And, and chlorine, I think, like, if especially if you did a lot of swimming as a um, as a kid, it's easy to make that, like, association, right? You smell the chlorine, you think about, you know, the water park or a personal pool or a friend's pool or something like that. Um, I think that's it's not a bad association to have. It's kind of similar to smelling sunscreen. You're like, ah, yes, summer. Mm-hmm. There's part of that, oh, I'm outside, I'm at the pool, I'm doing summer activities. Right. There was a kid I knew in my creative writing class in high school who was a swimmer for 
his hobby or sport for mm-hmm. the high school. Uh, and he swam so much that he always had like so much bleach going through his hair. So like I, I touched his hair once. It was offered to me. I didn't just grab him out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. But he typically had like straight hair like me, but my hair just feels like hair. His hair right. felt so unbelievably soft because the chemicals <laughs> had just deadened the fuck out of it. <laughs> right. But I, he, I was surprised at the difference. And he obviously noticed it because he's like, my hair feels different than other people's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was bald one year after the last time he saw him. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen him since, so that, that could be. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, I say that I haven't been swimming in like forever. I think in-person land party was the last time. I actually went swimming because now it's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to just like show up to a pool with like presumably like we're at an apartment. So, you know, there's going to be kids. There's going to be other people. I don't I don't really want any of that. I'll take a bath. You know, that's the closest thing to swimming. We'll just make the water a little deeper than usual. Call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the joy of the pool is like you can actually submerge most of your body, if not all of your body. Whereas with a bathtub, you play in the knees or shoulders game. Mm hmm. It's just, I, I can't win. And then the temperature just stops at a point. Yeah. And starts to decrease. It's hard to get a good doggy paddle going in the bathtub as well. <laughs> I mean, you can do it a little bit, but uh, God bless the person who uses all the towels afterwards to right. mop up the bathroom. Oh, man. Better not to deal with it. Um, oops, I bumped my microphone. Speaking of dealing with it, today's episode is not... Uh, Bennett Foddy's getting over it. It's um, near replicant, which is a new game question mark ellipsis question mark in the same way that Demon Souls is a new game. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah. So this is the I want to. I forget the difference between remake and remaster, but I think re- remaster is just graphics and audio. You're not changing the experience at all. Okay, so it's definitely a remake. Mm-hmm. They definitely cleaned up some things. But a lot of things, if you played the original game back in the PS3 days, which we did not nope. get a chance to, um, it is very true to the story and everything it has laid out. If there's something you loved about it, it's still there. If there's something you hated about it, it's still there. Mm-hmm. And this is the real test. Can How would you pronounce the name of the original game? I'm not not sure if you're talking about near replicant or near gestalt. Gestalt. As you got to throw some, like Sean Connery has to possess you in the middle of the word. (laughs) Gestalt. (laughs) Yeah, I I go with a a German inflect on it. I don't know why it just sounds right. I think it's because like near sounds like a German word. I mean, it's also just an English word, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, like this is the uh, the remake of Gestalt, um, which is a fun word to say. Um, and I guess so. This came out not that long ago, really. It was earlier this year, Q one, something like that. I don't know exactly. Q one, Q two, three, four months back ish. Yeah, um, but we're basically going to treat it, even though it is a very recent release. We're going to just treat it like it's a game that came out eleven years ago, because it's also basically a game that came out eleven years ago. So. Uh, yeah, spoilers, I guess. Doesn't really particularly matter, I think. But um, 
just gonna talk about a bunch of crap um so real quick before we hop in i, I yeah. know we did near automata as a game we haven't had the episode on it because true boy howdy would that take some playthrough time but um coming into it from your experience of near automata did you have any prior knowledge to the original near <laughs> where your it's thoughts kind of going in it's kind of funny because i think i was in a similar boat at some point i did look up the like what is because at the conclusion of automata i had a lot of questions i think that's a common that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> coming end and i was like what was the backstory that set all this in motion and they're clearly just they're answered they're just not retreading the same ground um and i got like some spoilers from that i think i perhaps have seen the final end of the original game in cutscene form but i had largely forgotten the specifics of what happened yeah i think i would be in the same boat it, it was something on ps3 it was like a decade ago i'm like i'm not going to get a ps3 they're never going to mm-hmm. remake the game let me look up this right. thing that's tangential to something that i like and kind of get the backstory and then oh i'll just put that in the databank and they're like it's, it's a game now i'm like fuck <laughs> Square Enix is like, I'm about to end this man's whole career. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think anything was particularly spoiled for me, but looking back, it would have been nice to have played the original Nier and then played Automata when it came out mm-hmm. in that order. Yeah. Because I felt like going back to play Nier, I'm like, is this like Automata? This mm-hmm. isn't like Automata in these ways. Right. In the same way with like something in a Dark Souls I'm very much comparing it to other games in this franchise. Yeah. We have a, um, I haven't talked to him in like literally forever, but friend uh, Victor who played Bloodborne and then played Dark Souls afterwards. Right. Yeah. And that's like, it's a very different game. You can see where some of those inspirations and things came from, but it went in a slightly different angle and changed the trajectory entirely because of it. And that's what it feels like here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the game has a lot of making you appreciate the world and environment by making things take time. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get from point A to point B, uh, you're going to have to walk there. And yeah. also, anytime you go between an area, there's a loading screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you start to feel that pretty quick. Yeah. And I know there's some other sections outside of just travel, like the forest where you're like i'm gonna be here for a bit but i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna complete it so that i can say that i did it and move on yeah there's a, there's a subreddit uh called patient gamers which is the intent is for sales um like people who don't buy games as soon as they come out and it's basically the only if that subreddit's name was taken literally it would be the only subgroup of people i'd recommend this game to because like unless you're just speed running it and even then um it really doesn't respect your time now it is a japanese game so it's not like that's uncommon behavior amongst you know jrpg like games um but even this there's just certain activities that just take a while there's the reason i engaged with farming which is a mechanic that's available throughout the game like once or twice i was just like all right plant the entire field and then i realized that the animations take forever like it just takes forever to plant something and put some water on it and you know like fertilizer ground whatever and i just didn't want to do it again it would just be standing there for minutes 
like engaging in this activity that is just watching this guy repeat the same animations over and over again for each little plot in his mm-hmm. farm. And that's kind of like, it's a micro example, but it's also core of the way that the game treats your time. Um, and I'm not a fan of that so much. I, yeah, it's, I always feel like stuff like that is an immersion tool. Like I definitely see the benefit of it. But mm-hmm. if you're not invested in it for that reason, it sucks to have to go through it because you're like, just let me do the thing and move on. Just let me yeah. do the thing and move mm-hmm. on. But they're like, no, you got to appreciate you're spending the time to do this. You're traveling from here to there. Right. And again, I get it, but it needs to be for that specific audience. And like for exactly. me, I didn't explore farming or fishing because I'm like, I want to play through the base game and know what the story is. Maybe do some side quests for a little bit of fleshing out, but. Mm-hmm. Mainly, I just wanted to do main content. Yeah. And uh, I did want to hit the the tags, you know, going back to the Steam tags um, to see whether you agree with them in particular. The first one is great soundtrack. Yep. <laughs> Near games have great fucking music. It's amazing. It's quite possibly the best part of the game is literally the soundtrack. What was your favorite from this one? Ooh, that's tough. I actually really like the... Um, it's good because I heard it a lot. Um, the machine voices like song in the junkyard in the okay. like that combat area. It has this electric feel. There's also a um, even more of an electric feel. I don't know if you did this at all, but post game, there's a journal you can interact with that puts you into it was DLC yep. for the original game where it's just combat sequences. And I kind of enjoyed that a bit. Like it started yeah. to grate a while, but I was like, man, I wish this game would like let me interact with the combat more often, you know, like in these just challenging, it was kind of like Devil May Cry encounters. And the music for that is remixes Mm -hmm. of the base game. And they're so good. So I stumbled upon that accidentally because I was just clicking around some stuff. And Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was just optional side content until later. Um, But they actually have you for those sequences play as the dad character from technically there's two releases. There's the Japanese one and the English one. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget which is which for whether you're the brother of Yona or yeah. the father of Yona. But in that one, you are dad near mm-hmm. and you're going through and just slapping some ass. It's <laughs> one way to put it, I guess. It's a fun yeah, section, but it is good music, too. Yeah, yeah, the music is really good there. Did you have any standouts uh, for the musical tracks beyond that? I mean, the immediate ones that jumped to mind, obviously, Song of the Ancients, fucking classic and banger. Is that the... um? the the heavenly choir high voices singing or is that a different one it's like the main theme that i think devila or popola ah, okay. is singing in the courtyard you yeah. hear it a lot throughout the game and then shadow lord's theme is very nice too also yeah. all of the temple music like i always mm-hmm. enjoy that vibe oh yeah no it's it's really good across the board it's really good I also really liked, as just a minor aside, the like Devola Popola. I can't remember exactly who it was. That's out. It's Devola because Popola is always in the library. Okay, um, but Devola was out there like near the fountain, and when you get close to her, her vocals cut into the track. Yeah, yeah. that's just playing in that area. But and if you talk like, to her, the vocals stop. They stop. Yeah. Um, it was a really. I love when games do that. Um, it was a, a cool moment, and I wish that I was kind of a more patient gamer so i could just like sit there and listen to it for a while because i just left i kept like <laughs> no i got main quest to do <laughs> peace um 
and as a completely or somewhat related aside, I would say from a different game. I didn't realize this until like this week, but apparently in Metal Gear <laughs> Rising <laughs> Revengeance uh, for the final boss fight, you can have you can be disarmed of your sword. And every time you're disarmed of your sword, the vocals fade out until you get your sword back. And I didn't realize that until huh. like literally now. Yeah, I was really wondering what the tie-in was going to be because my opinions on that game versus near games. I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm not going to draw comparisons between those games. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I the music is top tier. Um, top near? Well, the other tag is uh, uh, story rich. Before I give my opinion on this. Actually, maybe I'll save. I don't know. Maybe I'll come back to this one. I'm going to come back to this one. Okay. But this is a Steam tag. Uh, action and RPG are the last two. Action, yes. Because the combat is like third person run around, very similar to near Automata. Yeah. Automata. Um, as far as RPG, there are items you can mm-hmm. use, but it's like my health's low. Let me spam the healing potion. And yeah. then it's just your heal. So there, there's not as much in the way of RPG. You do have some magic abilities as well, yeah. um, but it doesn't feel as RPG as some other games where you have, whether it's tactics or turn-based, but it has RPG elements. Yeah, it's it's like a soft RPG. They do have like, the other element I would mention is the uh, the words for magic and weapons, which is like if you have customization and choice, that's literally like the aspects, the main aspects of RPGs, right, is here's um, some choice for how you go through the game. And I did find myself actually using a bit of those uh, modifier words. Oh, yeah. They could be things like experience gain, item drop rate, flat damage. I went with damage or MP use, I think. Mm-hmm. I also remember when you were playing, I messaged you on Discord. I'm like, did you find the rune word bussy yet? <laughs> yeah, like, I, f- what? <laughs> I found it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I actually... um. As an aside for the words, I was doing some content in the uh, the the fight DLC post game stuff, and I went up against like a bunch of super heavily armored enemies. I was like, "This is going to take forever" because my game was on hard, and they have like I left it on hard after I realized that increased the item drop rate. Maybe okay. The internet's like there's a lot of conflicting opinions about whether that's true or not. But some some people that seemed more authoritative said that it is the case. Um, and I was really struggling to go through these guys. And I was like, all right, let's modify Dark Execution with Poison and then amp that up to level 9. Um, because I could Poison Dark Execution when charged up as like just a bunch of blades out of the ground that like impale everybody and then drop them to prone if they can be prone. Hit all of them for good damage, poison them, which seemed to do more damage. And then I could like chain execute two or three of them on the ground, which didn't instant kill them, but it did a lot of damage. Um, and it was just so much better. I thought you were going to say, like, and then I used the armor break rune. I'm like, that mm-hmm. makes sense. But yeah, I learned no, I tried something that. new. <laughs> I tried that. It didn't actually work as well because it couldn't strip, you couldn't strip the armor off of them. They're like special enemies. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, the, the customization is not like it's not crazy advanced, but there's enough there that you can play around with it a little bit. It's like but. if you were to make an RPG today and you had like by the end of the day to submit something to me, it's what you come up with as like a first pass. Mm-hmm. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I want some weapons. I want some mm-hmm. magic. I want some items. 
I want some upgrades. Yeah. But it's all mm-hmm. very kind of flat across the board. Like there's not branching paths for upgrades. It's do I have the components to make my weapon stronger? Okay, its stats are buffed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there there were some like some interactions there. Like I think heavier weapons are supposed to deal more with armor, but I didn't really find it was worth dealing with that too much. And magic is better against enemies that have armor that can be stripped. But it's yeah. I mean, you can also just whack on things till they die for the most part, right? Yeah. Or you Do can the kite them and, and never actually get in combat range. Yeah. Um, and the words weren't like, for the most part, they weren't absolutely devastating. It felt kind of like Monster Hunter elements. You're like, I'm building up paralysis on this enemy. Now they're paralyzed for a minute. for Not a full minute, but like a couple seconds. Or I have lifesteal on this. It gives me the smallest bit of health back, right? Um, I never once felt like I had lifesteal proc enough to actually mitigate the like the need for health items. No, it's it's very much you have health items, you spam them when you need them mm-hmm. through like a pause menu, um, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like we're being really critical of the combat. I actually do enjoy the combat a lot in the system, and. You can only bind four spells or abilities at once. And those abilities include block and evade. <laughs> so like I, there was parts of the game where I literally unbound block. I kept evade on them. We play dark souls, right? Like, yeah, it's you gotta have evade. Give me the roll iframes, please. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember using block that much or at all. There's a few enemies where it's very, very, very useful. Like um, there's really high health, um enemies that are like giants in like the northern plains and the southern plains um and they're uh i think they they might both be related to quests so i don't know if you would have seen them or not but um they have a ton of health and it takes forever to chip away at them but if you're just behind them they'll either swing with their right arm or their left arm to hit behind and it's just a reliable parry every single time and you parry by blocking at the moment you hit um, and you kill them so much faster, just literally standing there and cheesing them, <laughs> countering their attacks. Yeah, as with all games, I always forget that parrying can be a mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, Bloodborne took me longer than some other games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I took some damage. I'm going to back off. I'm going to back off. <laughs> Not a good call in Bloodborne. <laughs> um, no, the combat is definitely smooth. Um, I always like, for some reason, the weight. And mm-hmm. the movement of like, so let's say you do a jump and a dash, your body kind of like lurches forward, but then gravity is still very much present. There's not a, there's not a floatiness to it. I'm so, going to counter your point, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you finish this one. Jake's probably going to talk about doing some aerial combos, but yes, um, yes <laughs> it feels like when you hit and you dash around, you feel very corporeal. Like you feel like mm-hmm. it seems to match the action you're doing based yeah. on whatever weapon you have. So like the combat feels good and realistic mm-hmm. in that regard. So I did enjoy that. Yeah. You called it. It was going to be the aerial combos. Anytime you're attacking in the air, you're not falling. So there's like a three hit combo. Um, it's, it's devil may cry. The literally like the two comparisons you could make is dark souls where every attack you're committed to the move or devil may cry where you can cancel out of anything. It's devil may cry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's very fast for that. I would ask though, um, at a later portion of the game, we'll have to go back and talk about the story at some point, but you gain the option to use different types of weapons. Um, what did you find yourself going with rocking? I mean, I always go for whatever's going to give me the best DPS, but doesn't feel like shit. Okay. Um, I felt like I went with a big katana type. So you went like sword? Did you go two hand sword or one hand sword? I think two hand sword. Okay. I have to load up my save to double check. Yeah. But it would have been something that felt decent enough for animation where it's not like I'm committing for four seconds. Mm -hmm. But something I could like dash and slash a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely like the different weights mattered, I think. So the higher weight the weapon, there's like three classifications. There's one-handed swords, two-handed swords, and spears. Mm -hmm. And spears were like the lightest, fastest, most reach. And I like... They were pretty good. I I use spears. Like I sunrise spear like through the end of the game. So freaking good. Um, And uh, the two-handed swords are like slower, but they do a bunch of damage. Okay. So now that you said it, I'm remembering. I definitely Mm -hmm. used a spear. And I use the the two handed charge animation, which is yes. you just chuck the spear. And I was hitting for like whatever upgrade it was, like a thousand at a time. Mm-hmm. So I would hold my fire and magic button. So I'm just like hucking out spears, and I'm yeah. also throwing out like magic crystals. And it was full just DPS like the, build, <laughs> the full weight of the body. Or yeah. I could be confusing that with my recent playthrough of Near Automata, where I did the exact same thing. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I would just say. But if you can get big, chunky damage like that from range, it feels pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't see... Like, I was going to say, I was kind of surprised you went with, like, two-handed swords, if that was the case, because they are very slow. It's, like... It feels much more like Dark Souls then, because you can't cancel out of those animations. And this is a game where you're getting hit from like hit by balls from all sides and you very much want to be able to just jump out at a moment's notice. Um, but it's, yeah. I still like the idea of the balls. Mm-hmm. Like if there was no the near orbs, <laughs> if there were no projectiles in that game, I, I don't think it'd be as challenging because it's a lot of the enemies have pretty straightforward combat options even like the mm-hmm. bosses but adding the extra like hey here's projectiles you gotta worry about on top of that it's like okay it's an extra layer of complexity yeah and it's very much like there's some attacks and then there's like bullet hell attacks with the orbs where it's just like we're gonna flood the screen in this pattern and find the gap or use an ability to help mitigate this um there is two types there's like the light orbs and the dark orbs where the light orbs can be um absorbed or shot uh if you are using they can be dark gluttony. cancel yeah um or if you have like the shield up the shield is actually like amazingly good as magic it charges through different phases as you're holding the button and the default is to just puts a large shield in front of you that'll block projectiles but if you full charge it it becomes a bubble that follows you oh and it literally makes you immune to magic like magic doesn't lower the durability of the shield only physical attacks do so there's certain points in the game where the boss is like and here's the magic phase where it's supposed to be like a bullet hell portion and you're like great shield 
and now I'm just going to hit on you for like five minutes, uh, just right up in your face because I don't care about the projectiles at all. <laughs> and that's pretty good. I need to explore more options in games like this because I find something that works. I'm like, okay, I'll never do anything new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is it is pretty hilarious. It feels like an exploit for certain bosses. Like um when they're just they're only doing magic and they kind of throw it out rapidly in melee, so you can't swing your sword or spear enough without getting like, to break them. Stunned, yeah. yeah. Um but the shield blocks all of them, like even if they're spawned inside the shield because you're right in front of them. So it's really good. So that being said, did you find the game easy? Not particularly. I mean Certain parts were definitely harder on hard. Um, but I'm trying to think of a place where I really particularly struggled. I know I, I remember seeing the game over screen a couple times, but that's because I was usually getting one hit by enemies that I wasn't supposed to fight yet. <laughs> um, actually, maybe. I guess like a little bit easy until like Route B, final bosses on hard. Those just took a while to go through, and I did start to run out of um, consumables. But they're more like big health bars than yeah. difficult. What about you? Pretty easy. I mean, I played on yeah. normal, um, mm-hmm. but nothing really I had to come back to a whole bunch of times. It's more like I did something stupid. I'm like, oh, right, right. Don't do the stupid thing. Yeah, of mm-hmm. dashing into a laser that's obviously been foretold for like five seconds, stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I there's a big difference between literally like any boss in the game and then like the final three bosses. It's like every other boss in the game is kind of like something closer to like uh, not necessarily Shadow of the Colossus, but like God of War, big hulking things. I was like, going to say monstrosity. Like Mario or Zelda type. Yeah, exactly. Like puzzle solve. And then the final bosses are very much like you're Dante and this is Nero and go. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> We're giving you enemies the same size as you. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. What have I done to deserve this? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the combat overall is was probably one of the more satisfying parts of the game. Um. And there's a lot else to talk about about, about the game for sure. <laughs> some of them less satisfying, some of them more. Um, but I mean, I'm good to go into whatever. Sure. How does this game start? Because I would at least like to to touch on the um, sections of the game. You don't have to go into you know, crazy detail, but okay. Um, I I had to memorize line by line because we talked about this ahead of time, and I spent I spent hours actually trying to. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> um, so the game starts out, uh, you are this young lad, uh, you're mm-hmm. with your sister, you're in a desolate kind of wasteland, it's winter, you're out of food, you're alone, Yeah. Um, your sister's not doing so well. Got and, the cough, black lung. I mean, just a cough, and you know, with, <laughs> with America's healthcare. So yeah. <laughs> you go out to like venture for food, you encounter some shades, mm-hmm. which are like these dark apparitions that attack you. Mm-hmm. or you attack mm. um, and yeah, like a pipe you're fighting with like a pipe i yeah. think at this point yeah but basically like they, they keep spawning them in mm-hmm. and you're like shit uh and there's this black book nearby mm-hmm. 
uh, later to be known as Grimoire Noir, mm-hmm. Black Book. Um, but it gives you magical powers. So as you start killing these shades, you unlock more powers and you quickly keep fighting more and more shades and leveling faster and faster, getting new magic abilities. Yeah. Um, but all this happens, like you fight all these shades and then you go check on Yona like, hey, I killed a million guys. You good? Yeah. And she's like, I did the one thing you told me not to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> she also touched the black book, mm-hmm. um, which is bad because yeah. uh, it's it's cursed, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think you get you just get scene swapped, right? Yeah, basically, there's there's like the jump forward 1,400 years or something like that. And you're both the same age in fantasy land instead yeah. of desolate modern America in the winter. <laughs> and it's it's weird because I knew going in what it was. So I kind yeah. of compartmentalized that mm-hmm. and just moved on. Yeah. But did you have that knowledge going in? That there was going to be like the jump forward? Or I guess yeah, like when the time skip happened, were you like, the fuck was that about? Or did you kind of just say, I'll probably f- find out about that later and just moved on? Yeah, you kind of just have to accept a sense of stuff's going to happen and it's not going to make sense when you're playing near games. So that's kind of where I was at. I was you have to you have to be in the acceptance state <laughs> basically <laughs> when you're playing through the games where you're like, I'm not going to understand all of this, and I may or may not later also, but. Do you also talk about near in therapy? Because that's that comes up for me a lot of weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you, you jump to the future, I guess, future past, days of future past. And you now basically link. That's it. <laughs> it's it's very much this like fantasy town, low technology. Magic exists. Um you don't have the book anymore at the start. Correct. Um, you're kind but, of just a kid doing some mm-hmm. odd jobs around town trying to take care of your sickly sister Yona getting medicine for her and stuff like that mm-hmm. but the shades what? are becoming more aggressive yeah they're getting mm-hmm. mo- moving closer to town and other stuff so you end up yeah. venturing out and then you I forget the exact reason why you come across the temple mm-hmm. or you go there but that is where yeah. you find Grimoire Vice, mm-hmm. who becomes your character. your magic companion and talking uh, book. And I was wrong. It's not actually voiced by Matt Mercer. It's voiced by Liam, who is also in the cast of Critical Role. But um, okay, I I yeah. now feel better because mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I should would have known if it was Matt Mercer, but I guess I didn't, huh? Yeah, it was Liam. But uh, it's the source of all of your your spells um, that we've been talking about for a while now. Um, in particular, I really like there's this effect when you kill enemies with a sword, you can't kill them with magic to get the effect, but when you kill enemies with a sword or weapon, um, and they die, there's a blood splatter, which for one, like, I don't really remember, and you played Automata more recently than I have, but I don't remember like blood being in the game. Well, Um, I mean, you're killing robots, so like usually they would explode, but Mm -hmm. then anything that quote unquote fell out of them, like scrap disappeared immediately is more so like there's the death animation and that was it yeah 
I mean, you say, yeah, you're killing robots. So why would it make sense for them to be for there to be blood? But in your replicant, you're killing shades, which are basically ghosts, more or less. And there is blood. So like, <laughs> right? Um, they're like, they leave blood splatters and like pretty early in the game. Uh, also, there's just animals, sometimes like sheep or whatever. You're getting mutton for a side quest. It's dumb. Um, if you run through blood and your character like leaves bloody footprints, for a while until it like wears off their feet and i'm like what am i playing <laughs> right it's far more gruesome than i expected it to be but um on top of that when you kill one of these enemies uh like there's an effect like coming from them towards you and uh, uh grimoire vice uh collects the blood to use to fuel your spells and that's your like magical energy that also regenerates over time yeah, so if that doesn't raise any red flags... Um... <laughs> <laughs> right. As the protagonist, you know, collecting blood. But it looks like blood magic, too. It's all, like, tinted red. And I'm a fan of blood magic. You know, any setting, it's great stuff. Yeah, it's... Do you want to explain why that is? Or... Hmm. Do, do I know? Why? Maybe? Well, like, I, the I mean, reason I... that there's blood in the first place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're humans. Or they're the souls of humans. Yeah. Which I right. mean, from a <laughs> right. physical standpoint, doesn't make as much sense. But yes. in a game, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So that's near, right? Yeah. Just squint at everything because it doesn't make sense outside of near. Yeah. Um. But basically, shades are not inherently bad. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are the the souls of humans that were removed from bodies through a certain process that I pronounced earlier Mm -hmm. um, based on game lore. Uh, Basically, they want to get back to their respective bodies. Mm -hmm. That is the whole plan of that thing. Yeah. Because that's where the androids come from. (laughs) Yeah. But even so, as I'm just now going to do story spoilers. um, Yeah, we're going to, we're going to spoil them. That's fine. So you as the playable character and everybody in the town, are not actually human. You are no. actually. I, would you would it be safe to say android bodies? Yeah, they're they're androids. The, that's part of the thing that threw me off is the protagonist, whose brother near the community calls him, but he's just the protagonist. And Toro's said he doesn't have a name. <laughs> uh, it's like he ages. Specifically, there's a point in the game where it's like we now have jumped forward five years, and there's mm-hmm. now a different voice actor. His voice is much deeper. He goes from like I'm a Chinese or not Chinese. I'm a ja- I'm a young Japanese kid, and then, and then he's just like I am a gruff Japanese adult male, and it's like <laughs> it's like you went from eight to thirteen, I think, or something, right? Like <laughs> it's like twelve um, to seventeen, but yeah, he's it, it puberty it hit hard. a lot, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, but yeah, he ages which threw me off a little bit because I was like, maybe he's not actually a replicant because I don't remember any other replicants aging. But he is. So technically, Yona does too. If you look at her, because before she gets kidnapped and afterwards when you finally see her like six years later, Mm -hmm. she definitely has changed. Um, Yeah. So I think the technology does facilitate that to a degree, but no other yeah. NPC or character you interact with, you really see that. Well, no, 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 the king, the desert king, also ages. Oh yeah, oh that's true. Yeah, huh? 
it's it's clearly enabled for some of them and not others. Some um, key characters have that have the aging yeah. option turned on. It's very if we if we spend time trying to like make sense out of near, it's yeah, we're not, not gonna. actually going to work for the episode. <laughs> but in general, the premise was, and they're, they're, the shades are the gestalts. They, they don't use that word in the English version, which is like what is confusing, I guess. But in like the Japanese version, the shades were called gestalt. Um, so they're the human souls. The replicants are like the human replacement bodies. Shells, yeah. yeah, the shells. And uh, eventually there would be this convergence in the future. But what humanity did not anticipate was that the assumption of sentience and the replicants. And this is the foundational part of all of the near games. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really fucking cool premise. Um, but again, having played Automata first and then coming back to this, mm-hmm. I think you and I talked about it beforehand off air. It has very similar ideas it's trying to convey yes. as far as mm-hmm. what it means to be a person or an individual. And in this game, it's contrasted between like the shades who you obviously don't initially think of as people. Yeah. And then your character mm-hmm. who you think of as people. And then it's kind of inverted. Mm-hmm. Um, with then with near automata where it's, well, I'm a person looking thing slash Android and these are robots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in both cases, very much your main character says like, oh, those other things, those are nothing like me. And they drive yes. that home a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then later they're like, but what if they're like, no. Yeah. In particular, after the five year skip, it's like part one and part two in this game. Uh, like the protagonist is straight up like he's overselling the point that he hates shades so much. It's literally like Aaron from attack on Titan. He's like, I will destroy all shades. Um, and it's just his, this like all consuming doesn't matter. There's a shade here. Kill I them must all. kill chaos. Yeah. <laughs> but chaos is meant to be controlled as we know. Um, it's also a ladder as we know. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he oversells it so much that I'm just like, Shades are the good guys, aren't they? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> when you realize when the protagonist is like, "All right, no, do gruff, aggressive, antagonist voice when you're dealing with this enemy," I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but it's it's there is a little bit of a, a mix because the shades aren't all good necessarily. A lot of them attack you because they're. I don't think the word was regressed. It was there is another word like that, but basically the human consciousness, like goes feral more or less and those are most of the enemies that you face yeah um but uh there's only a few in fact there's like very few i remember specifically one two shades in the game that are non-aggressive that you have to kill um or will kill likely one's for a side quest and the other is riding a robot yeah it's (laughs) Yeah, they're basically, like you said, or we said before, just kind of people. Um, some are, I don't want to say good, but not inherently evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and some of them seem good, actually. Yeah. So, like, the whole quest line with um, the boat, mm-hmm. and there's that shade who is, like, trying to learn the ways of people and kind of briefly gets Luis. accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like shows human components 
Uh-huh. But there's that miscommunication and it's like, no, you're a monster. Um, which just reminded me of Disney immediately. Mm-hmm. So I would, I'm going to, I'm going to ask this and I have a follow up point perhaps. How would you rate that like boat storyline? And most of it, you, you go through play through a, where you can't understand the shades and then play through B where you can understand because this is literally the format for all near games. It's yep. like play it like a standard game. And then we're just going to like punch the gut consecutive, normal punches, um, literally just emotional manipulation. How would you evaluate that storyline, the boat storyline compared to like other storylines in the game? Do you think it's better or worse? Ooh, um, I have to think about this out loud a little bit. Yeah. Partially for the, uh, the context of the audience. Um, so there's technically a couple different areas outside of the main town. Mm-hmm. One's like the desert. There's machine scrapyard. There's the sea town. And there's some other stuff. Um, but usually each one is kind of tied to an overall plot quest and yeah. like main mm-hmm. ob- objective key item piece you have to get. It's so, literally Legend of Zelda, right? Go to yep. Goron Town, go to Zora Town, you know, whatever. Um, but with Luis's story... It's very much like there's just a a shade pretending to be a girl. They find out it's like this gigantic kraken monster. And then you kill her like, oh, that was obviously a bad thing. This guy was being duped by this shade. What an mm-hmm. idiot. And then when you go back and you can understand, basically she's just doing her normal shade stuff of like eating people who like happened upon her. And she's just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. But then she's shown kindness by this guy who's like, oh, you're a little kid trapped on a boat. Oh, you're shy and you don't want to talk at all. No red mm-hmm. flags there. So he's like bringing your food and being really nice. Yeah. Um, and she specifically, I want to mention is trying to become human. She wants to yeah. be human. And that's one of the reasons she was eating humans. If again, also it's a slave fear in near games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to say I like it to a degree because it definitely gives more context. Uh huh. Um, and it makes you feel, I guess, bad for killing the boss. Mm-hmm. But I would say the one that hit harder for me was in the scrapyard where like a shade's mom gets killed. And it's like this little baby monkey shade yeah. that um, finds this like defense robot. The defense robot's like, I'm going to kill P-33. you. And it's like, yeah. kill me. I don't care. Nobody loves me. And it's like, what is love? And then... Mm-hmm. The shade is trying to explain its basic consciousness and what it means to be to a robot that doesn't have an idea of it. And then they come to terms, become friends, and then the robot wants to protect the shade and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So when you go back in, he's saying like, hey, don't hurt my friend. Um, And you as the player character, you're like, I must destroy all shades. Yeah. Um, Because then it just feels worse because it's you're killing someone who's trying to protect something that they care about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, wanna, that's every storyline, I feel. Yeah, it's it's very much that. I, the reason I wanted to jump to that, uh, I mentioned the boat and ask a question about the boat in particular, mm-hmm. is because that plot line was not in near Gestalt. It was True. added in this one. So I wanted to contrast and say, like, has it actually improved? Like, is this because when I played through it, I didn't know that. And I found this out yeah. later. And that boss was added. And when I got to the boss, I was like, why is this boss so much higher quality than like anything else that I've fought so far? It's because it's made after Automata. Um, But yeah, 
I 100% agree with this whole like, like the it literally just the core of near is like you don't understand the other person's point of view, and it's kind of this. This comes up in like Japanese stories a lot, where it's just the difference between right and wrong is literally just my vote motivation versus your motivation, yeah. and that's it. Um, so you don't have you know solid moral ground to stand on, and that's just the core theme of near. You just misunderstand what humanity is and what um, people's motivations really are. But this game does it in a cheap way, I think. And this is this is one of the faults I actually have with the series is they don't let the car- the player make mistakes. They force you into it. Right. Like you have to kill the shades because they're bosses and the sequence doesn't resolve until you kill the shade. There's no point where like you, the player can be like, I'm going to make the choice to do the right or wrong thing. Yeah, there's definitely a difference of, hey, we're going to set you in this thing. We're not tying your hands, uh, Mm -hmm. but there is a giant thing that you perceive to be an enemy in front of you. Right. 99% of people naturally would just go into game mode and kill it because it's the option, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Versus, hey, this is how the story goes. A brief aside to Last of Us 2. Mm Mm-hmm. There's very much a, hey, we're making you do this thing and then we're making you do that thing. Yes. It still shows it, but it has less impact because it's here is the road. You cannot turn left or right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think it can desensitize you to you. For me, at least, I get some of that early emotional reaction. Like, I don't want to kill this thing or whatever. But then once the game is like, but you have to. Maybe that hits you first, like the first time, but the game continues to play that note of like, by the time you've gotten to, you can, it's literally just assemble the MacGuffin, grab the four pieces in this case of the Triforce instead of three or whatever. And now you can face the final boss. That's the basic format for the game in part two. Um, But like when you get to the scrapyard, that was one of the non-combat shades is the little, the little baby monkey shade or whatever that like jumps off the robot when it's, you know, about to die um and it won't fight back it just runs from you but you have companions who are helping you fight emil and um kine kine yeah i was gonna say Kyrie, and i was like that's wrong <laughs> kine um who we haven't talked about at all <laughs> and i, I they did just want to get there like i did uh, yeah i saw we, like 40 minutes like haven't talked about kine or emil <laughs> haven't talked about him yet but they attack that shade immediately and it doesn't fight back right yeah. And one of those characters has the motivation to auto attack shades. Um, and the other one really doesn't like Emil is supposed to be the opposite is much more empathetic type character and is not really the type to just kill things that aren't attacking him. Um, and he does it anyways, cause it's a video game and you have to kill the shade um, or they'll just whittle it down, I guess over time, mm-hmm. but there's no option to subvert there's no player agency is the way I would put it. And past a point, you're like, I don't care that you're telling me the other side of this story. If I, if I can't actually change the story at all. Right. Um, and that was, that was one of my negative points to replicant. I mean, I think that's fair. There's, there's... <laughs> I realize there's more, well, more to cover, but yeah. Yeah. I, 
I think overall for the, like the story, it was very much a I'm along for the ride. Yes. But then uh-huh. like when I looked back, I kind of understood the character of Kaine and how she fit into the story. Yes. But I don't understand the character of Emil and how they fit into the story. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you could remove everything with Emil and it's the same. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I I like the character enough, but not enough to be like, I'm glad they're here. <laughs> yeah. Like He's, he's a plot device. Used, yeah, than. as a plot device for like, mm-hmm. oh, we need a mechanical thing for this. Um, Oh, he's a fucking nuke? Okay. Yeah. And then that happened. I'm like, eh? Yeah. They needed a plot device to be the, the nuke kill the innocent people in quotes people and uh the, the for the sacrifice at the end and those are literally his functions otherwise he's just a friend i guess in quotes but like he's just an esoteric utilitarian sort of well, ad- addition to the game so i will say i think emil definitely rounds out the party so you have brother near who's very much a kid and then the um, kill everything guy 17 year old whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have 40 year old's voice <laughs> grimoire vice who's very much the astute learned mm-hmm. wise and very pompous <laughs> pompous is the word uh, mm-hmm. pompous character who doesn't like being bothered with trivial things um, he's great and has goals mm-hmm. um, but it's still like a good a good character and then there's Kaine who's very much the hussy as Grimoire yeah. would say. She's a whore. <laughs> um, but she she's scantily clad and she's foul mouth and very much a contrast to Vice. Yeah. And she's then there's, lit- literally wearing baby baby doll lingerie. Like yes. but hanging out. It's it's incredibly egregious, even amongst usually egregious character design. <laughs> Again, Yokotaro. But uh-huh. and then Emil, not not dressed slutty at all. Um no. Is just and like even less so in a young transformation, a young boy throughout mm. the whole pretty much most of the game, and then becomes like a skeleton boy. Um, yeah. again, reasons um, with a really weird head <laughs> because his sister ate him, so he became yeah. his sister and himself. He, yeah, he got her body, so that's how Japan works. You, you can't see the amount of like things I'm doing with my eyebrows and head at the moment since it's, <laughs> it's an audio it's a, record, it's, but it's, it's a, a lot. 360 rolling of the entire body <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's a good party dynamic, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. but overall, like Grimoire Vice and Kaine are easily top tier characters. Yes, mm-hmm. as far as how you see them progress and their interactions. Yep. Way more interesting than definitely Emil and actually Brother Near himself. Brother Near is not an interesting character at all. Um, unfortunately, to me. At I least. mean, they're like canvas protagonists. Yeah, but it's like it's it's a canvas in a game without agency. So he's literally just hero's journey start to end. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing else about him. Um, she's unfortunate. Kaine is actually my favorite. Yeah, we talked about the baby doll. Uh, <laughs> right, no. No, she's she's really good. Um, voiced by Laura Bailey, who's also a part of that D&D group that you follow. Yeah, Critical Role. Um, I did not know that was her until I looked it up afterwards. I didn't know that until just now. <laughs> so. But she does a really great job of the English voice acting. Um, 
And like even the encounter with Shadow Lord, if you go back and watch that out of context, you're like, this is some anime shit. Um, but in the moment, it feels very apt and cool for her whole dialogue when she's like yelling at Grimoire Vice. Oh, yeah. She is the most vulgar character in possibly any video game I've played, which is hilarious. Yeah. That's a lot. I've played a lot of video games. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree. But I feel like her whole backstory is it justifies her character and persona. Mm-hmm. Where she was like ridiculed and hated a lot for just being different. Yeah. I think at that time it was. It's implied or somewhere it's canon that she's a hermaphrodite. I'm not sure. I don't actually know. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not sure there. Uh, that's actually new to me. Look that up. I think that was heavily implied, or I just got that from a shade theory many years ago. But at some point, she is possessed by a shade. Yes. And she's yeah. also ridiculed for that. But I'm not sure how aware that was to others. Right. There was definitely that something detail. that happened to her because she was different from birth. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, yeah, like the shade thing would have happened when she was around like 17, 18. I think. Yeah. Because she's like possessed by like Tyron or Tyrion is his name. Yeah. You hear his voice in route B, but I guess she was also born. It, I'm literally looking at the wiki. She was born half shade basically um, right off the gate. Um, so, you know, can you wait, just wait. Google kind of penis, but not an image search? And, like, <laughs> let me know. I could have sworn that was a thing. Yeah. I don't know. It says, yeah, she's, she's half human, left arm, left leg, keeps under bandage coverings or those of a shade. Um, as a response to the harassment she received in her childhood for being intersex, she took a liking to clothes that emphasize feminine characteristics. So I'm kind of getting that, I guess. Huh. Yeah, intersex condition. So... There you go. Um, They really don't touch on that at all in the game. (laughs) Like at all, as far as I know. It Maybe a later route. It kind of like vaguely comes up like once or twice in like a backstory thing. But I think it's more hinted at than explicitly said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the same way, like Emile's being gay comes up once. Literally Mm -hmm. once. I didn't know that one either. I missed that. Really? Oh, so when you're going to the king's wedding in the desert there's oh, right. like a brief dialogue beforehand it's like oh i hope Get you married. will find like a a good wife right. one day as well and he's like that's not exactly what i'm forget his phrasing but it's like uh i'm not into that's not women. quite right yeah, yeah. he's like that that's not quite right i i didn't actually understand that line but that makes sense i thought he was because he was kind of sad like a little despondent or whatever he was withdrawn mm-hmm. at least and i wasn't sure what the intention there was i have no gaydar so i wouldn't be able to tell. Oh, okay <laughs> but I, I don't know if that applies to video games right like but um <laughs> no that's uh huh okay that makes it that actually provides some context there yeah and i i like that they put stuff like that in the game because it's not done as a plot device or a hey they're gay therefore their character means this it's just like hey this person also, they're gay. That's just another attribute about them. And that's it. Yeah. So it's more normalizing than 
here's our here's our token gay. Yes, right. <laughs> I guess I would give them some credit for that because it doesn't impact the story like whatsoever. Yeah, Sometimes exactly. in American media, it's like, and here's the gay character. Awesome, we're inclusive. And like, it's not bad to have a character that's gay, but if that's the entirety of their identity and they don't really contribute anything else, then it's a little derivative, right? Like, you heard it here first. Jake does not want non contributing gays. All right. (laughs) Right. Everyone (laughs) needs to contribute. I'm a strict utilitarian. Like, we've talked about this with like when you add a romance or like a sexual thing in a game that doesn't need to be there, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, the character, the female character is there for her to be saved or sexualized, and that's her only role. Okay, right. it's not a good character. Like they're mm-hmm. not adding anything to it. They're just there as a plot device. Gotcha. Huh. So in no, the same I mean way, I agree. Like, I was still I was, I'm I'm still like reconceptualizing my understanding of Kaine through like this lens of her like added complexity here because it explains the like lingerie clothes more than anything. She's trying to just emphasize a particular aspect to like diminish ridicule for the other. Um. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, she's like a really good character. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a little bit more thought out. I still criticize. I think the because uh, well, Yokotaro is just like yeah. When asked why are your female protagonists and protagonist like characters always dressed so scantily clad, he's like because of cosplay. I like to watch the cosplay, <laughs> and that was his actual answer. I'm not giving. I'm not making anything up. Yeah. He's... <laughs> It was very much on the nose. Um, he's like, I'm old and horny. <laughs> yes, literally. <laughs> Renegade. Perfect. <laughs> but I mean, like, outside of her design in the game and, like, Grimoire Vice calling her a hussy. Yes. There's no mm-hmm. real other, like, sexualization or her mm-hmm. used in, like, a romance thing. No. There's no There's... romance or sex throughout the entire game. Yeah. And, mm. I like when games can do that. The only the only uh, ending, uh, I read this, I didn't actually get the ending, but the only ending where there's anything evocative of romance is brother near older, uh, you know, uh, section or chapter two, whatever, um, kisses her uh, in the ending where you choose to kill her as oh. like a final, final act. He kisses her and stabs her and ty- Tyran or whoever is like... Um, her final tells you her final words, which were thank you. Um, but and to contextualize that choice, it's like she was going to lose herself. And you can either you have the choice to either sacrifice your entire character. This is the original ending to uh, Gestalt. Um, sacrifice your entire character, save file, all of that uh, to save her, basically, or kill her. And those are the two ways you can save her. Um Spoilers, but yeah, he does if you kiss do her. Sacrifice your save file; you can get it back on the next playthrough. Um, yeah, only in this one though. Oh, they didn't do that in the original game. I don't think so because they added the new ending. Ending E was changed for this one. Well, ending E was added. I think. Yeah, it's completely mm-hmm. new. Yeah, but it's like the tie-in kind of near replicant era and near automata. Yeah, which is cool. I like that. If you're going to do a remake, throw some stuff in yeah. there. Yeah, I I watched it on YouTube. Because I think after I did endings A and B, I'm like, I'm good. I didn't feel like I wanted to do more game content. Yeah. Because one of the ways is like you had to unlock all of the weapons. I'm like, mm. yes, 33 of them. I just felt good at that point where I didn't need to experience more game. Yeah. 
And this is just briefly, this is one of the reasons I didn't like, I wouldn't recommend replicant to people who are just, you know, casually playing games or not trying to grind things. They make you go through the same areas over and over again. Junkyard, incredibly egregious for this. Um, but in particular, like the chapter two, beat all the bosses, do all the things. Um, you have to do that for like each of these routes in a playthrough. And Automata, even though they do make you replay the game some, they absolutely start shortcutting that and instead just extend the story from the previous endpoint or they change your perspective entirely so you're not doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And this game makes you do the exact same thing. Like, there's not shortcuts to the same degree at all. Um, and that's... I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much like re-putting on the exact same play but like adding in one extra cast member who is like the yep. nephew of somebody of like the stage director and you give mm-hmm. them some lines like oh that added some context versus in automata when you go back as 9s mm-hmm. you immediately have it from his perspective because it's yeah. it's a different point of the timeline or storyline that kind of converges and weaves in and out with two b's yeah this game actually tells you at the ending of route B after credits, it's like, hey, go back and play. Uh, you can continue your game um, to see the story through like Ka- Ka- uh, Kainé's perspective. I always want to see either Kyrie or, or uh, Kyrie or Kanye, <laughs> and neither of those are correct. Here's the thing, Kanye, flat out wrong for multiple reasons. We won't get into that. <laughs> yes. Kyrie, I think, is closer yeah. because there is a character called Shadow Lord, and as soon as you uh-huh. hear Shadow, you're like, oh, Kingdom Hearts, yes, Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I actually did tell Jenny, I was like, my main gripe with this story is it is Kingdom Hearts, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's not as far off as I want it to be. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, you have to replay the game, like, section several times, fight the bosses multiple times. And the only thing they really throw in is some extra cutscenes, the ability to understand the shades. You have to have some patience. Yeah. And honestly, again, I'll say fuck the forest section. That is... Oh, it's all text-based. It is all text yep it is like 40 minutes of text it's a lot of reading and you're like oh like dialogue no 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 screen is black text on screen it is just text right now and you have to go through that entire thing twice and i don't think any context was added there or additional Mm -hmm. lines um and you're just like "Mm." i remember messaging uh our friend justin about it i'm like yo fuck this (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. I like reading and it was too much for me. It's literally like it's it's not I say literally in the literal sense, like the literal definition, not the not hyperbole definition. Yeah, not hyperbole. Um, it's taking people who made the op- made the choice to play a video game and making them read a book. That's exactly what the game does. Yeah. Like it's fine to have text in something, even a little bit verbose even if you're forcing it upon them versus putting in like a text entry. Yeah. But it is, <laughs> it is so much of a block of time that it's like, Hey, you know that gameplay you were doing? We're going to put that on the shelf for again, 40 to 45 minutes. Um, uh-huh. Here's the thing you didn't necessarily ask for. You can tell that they went all in on it actually, because this game as most games has like a text dialogue at the bottom for text for whatever people are saying on screen. That's common. Uh, they made a full UI for the text where it takes like the entire screen in more book format to represent this text 
thing. It was like, okay, background fade to black, white text on front. Like, let's go for it. Automata also had reading sections, but nothing nearly to the extent of this. So, bad, bad, not good. I'm going to open my eyes a little bit at nearly. <laughs> so I can do my second dad joke. Um, all, all said yeah. and done, though, I still enjoyed playing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's definitely some weird parts and some things. I'm like, that seems dumb from a story perspective. But it felt yeah. good to be along for the journey and then have the payoff at the end. Like, the end for me, I thought was pretty hype. Mm-hmm. At least in the moment. Like, the Shadow Which Lord's end? there. Just the ending yeah, setup, the not necessarily ending, particular yeah. ending. Yeah, <laughs> because again, going back to story reasons, technically mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game, you were playing as the Shadow Lord, um, right? Mm-hmm. So you were a brother protecting your sister, and then Yona. you became ghosts and want to get back to your bodies. Your bodies mm-hmm. are now playing through the game, and yes. essentially treating you as the enemy. But the whole time, you were just trying to save your sister, as you, the player, are trying to save your sister. So there's yes. that conflict of interest of like, we want to do the exact same things, but they on the opposite sides. Yeah, the um, Japanese thing. Yeah. Exactly. But it feels cool because it's like, you know your motivations, you play throughout the whole game, but now you understand the Shadow Lord's motivations after yeah. you play through mm-hmm. the whole game. And like the music's good. It just felt hype and like a nice climactic finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They shouldn't have named Yona the same character though. <laughs> the old Yona shade new yona little, little sister or like should not have <laughs> had that be the same character name because that, that that did make things confusing although to be fair they probably did the same with near right both of those characters are unnamed so they potentially could have the same name actually yeah it's just the character picks the the player picks it so um yeah anyways it's a video game i guess i mean what, what would you rate this out of 10 Oof. It's really it's really freaking tough to give it a cumulative score cuz certain things are like really freaking good and the other things are like so bad I wouldn't recommend the game to anyone. And that's a hard thing to reconcile. All right, all right. <laughs> let's let's take out numerics. Or let's do uh-huh. the top 3-ish things you would recommend about the game. Yeah. And the top 3-ish thing you say maybe this really isn't for people for these reasons. Sure. Um, definitely top soundtrack. I think we talked about that. Amazing, banging soundtrack. Um, character, uh, characters in the universe are literally the reason to play these games. I think, and their interactions and developments. Um, so I would put those rated very highly overall. Um, even if it's not usually like the protagonist, Automata is better with that. Um, and let's see, another top three. I like the combat. I think the combat was really good and I enjoyed it. Um, bottom three would be the actual areas. Uh, some of them are good, but a lot of them are like retread this a thousand times and they're not interesting enough for that. Like the game doesn't have a really good fast travel system. It has an approximate fast travel system that comes in late. And it doesn't take you right to the destination. And Automata fixed that like perfectly. They're just like, go there, go. It's over there. <laughs> Gonna warp there. <laughs> um, and I really feel the absence. So um, repetitive areas that you're forced to like fight through multiple times. 
man that's like it's taking all three spots for me i think actually (laughs) just like the repetitive nature of the game making people replay content yeah there's as you said before and probably the best phrase is it doesn't respect your time no so like when you first go to the desert town they're like hey we're gonna take you on a tour around the whole town cool Mm -hmm. how long does that take 10 minutes Uh, (laughs) um There's actually an option when you get to like the king's door where it's like, do you want to complete the tour or cancel? And I was like, cancel instantly, please. Actually, just skip the rest. I don't care. Did you complete the tour? Yeah, I don't remember that option. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it still takes like two or three minutes of very slowly going like following this NPC around to get to that point. Um. And that's not that's not the only time in the game that they're like, here's a really slow NPC that you need to follow or escort. Well, there's another time in the desert again where you have to like follow somebody through the desert sandstorm and only they can yes. guide you. You have uh-huh. to stay within a certain range of them to progress, but they walk. Um, so it's. I'm going to compare this to the superior game, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, where in the desert. They literally had the same puzzle, but the puzzle was every you would see a flag. And you had to run in a straight line to that flag. There could be some combat or whatever on the way. And then you would see another flag and you had to run to that flag. You set your own pace. You don't have to follow a stupid slow NPC. You set your own pace. Better game. There you go. Better game. Better pizza. No Assassin's (laughs) Creed trailing missions. Thank you. Yeah. But I'm not as emotionally attached to Legend of Zelda characters as I am near. So Maybe it's because they don't talk (laughs) at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's a more complicated relationship, I suppose. So any any final thoughts on near replicant version 1.x? 1.x? I feel like you're really selling it short. It's actually... (laughs) How long is this version? Because it's too long for the Steam name and it goes to dot, dot, dot. 122, 47, 44, 87, 139, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. I would play Automata first because it's a better game. And then if you find that you're like, I absolutely need more of this universe, then I would play Replicant. I think that's a really Ish. fair assessment. Yeah, but like wait till they go on sale. Yeah, don't pay retail for replicant like I did. I would say it's it should not have. If I were to just I I couldn't give it a number score, I would give it a mostly positive on Steam, not for my own review. That's what the game should have. I'm saying all reviews should an aggregate conform to mostly positive for near replicant, not very positive or overwhelming. So yeah, we're giving it the hard sell. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think that this is, it's it's the only game that I feel confident saying, not my own opinion, because I'm not confident giving my own opinion on the game, but what everyone else's opinion should be. (laughs) You should like it. (laughs) Mostly positive. (laughs) What about you? What's what's your takeaway? I know that you're um, Bioshock and Nier. Dark Souls are uh, the pillars that, you know, hold your life up. So how do you how how do you feel about Replicant when it's all said and done? I very much enjoy the vibe. And again, keep using this term being along for the ride. 
mm-hmm. uh, the suspension of disbelief into an anime, anime fantasy bullshit land. I did enjoy many moments of it, um, mainly for like how it builds to the end game. But then there are also so many things that are just old game dumb, whether it's fetch quests or other things you don't care about, or the RPG system is too light. And kind of, it's just doesn't detract from, but it just feels very separate from the gameplay. Yeah. Where I'm glad the music was really good. Um, Cause it felt like that was very much a driving factor throughout mm-hmm. and also just wanting to know what happened, but would still say if you're looking to just go in fresh, uh, check out Automata. And then if you really want to go into universe, you can get replicant or look back yeah. into dragon guard stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> also don't do that. But... We'll look that part up on a wiki. Cause that's just fantasy stuff. I was I was looking at Steam reviews. I realized we're so over time that it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. We're in alternate reality. Um, this is this I really is like... broke up into two episodes anyway. This will be in part two. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that would actually be hilarious. Or it was hilarious when we have done this in the future. Um, I really like this quote from uh, a negative review posted by uh, Steam user Idle Reset. Um, uh, going into the sentence, with a lot of moments that you can see the writer was saying, see, ain't that sad? I'm sure that was sad. I mean, that NPC you don't care about just died a very, very sad death. <laughs> and that sums up a lot of my negative emotions. <laughs> I think that was put pretty well. <laughs> Thank you, Idle Reset, friend of the show. Yeah, it's any type of emotional manipulation. It helps a lot more when you're in that state of mind and on board. But if you're not, if you're not already on board. Yeah. It really feels like you're just talking two different languages mm-hmm. the uh yorha corporation has uh severe onboarding issues so <laughs> anyways this has been an episode of soapstone we talk about a bunch of stuff here sometimes near sometimes we talk too long usually for near um if you have other topics that we could cover in a more reasonable amount of time you could send those in to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or you could join this discussion on Facebook, which will invariably be shorter than the length of this episode at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs>